Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, July 8th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts. Some might say for this week, they were certainly running with the bulls. George Mateo, our chief investment officer, and Steve Haight, head of equities. As a reminder, you know, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our key questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. As far as this week's economic data, we had some pretty important information basically centered around jobs and employment. So if we go back to earlier in the week, there was the JOLTS report, which is the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey from the Department of Labor, where there still remain 11.3 million job openings, which is quite a strong signal relative to the overall health of the job market. Then yesterday, we had the initial unemployment claims, which comes out every week. Again, that number centers around 235,000, which has been moderating for about the last few weeks, although elevated from earlier this year. And finally, this morning, the employment situation, which has a bunch of different factors that are reported on the Friday, and in particular highlight is the 372,000 jobs that were new in terms of non-farm payrolls for June. So with that, under the guise of what's going on in the overall employment market with those three factors coming out this week, George, what are your thoughts on that and more details that you see in the job market? Well, I think, Brian, the, the big story of the week, as you mentioned, is on the employment side. And this morning's jobs report was probably the one that people are going to focus most on uh, over the weekend to try and understand where we are right now. I think the numbers suggest that the economy is doing quite well still. I know there's been a lot of clamoring around recessions, whether or not we're in a recession, uh, whether we're going to be in a recession sometime. You know, I think that's a good academic debate. But I think the numbers suggest this morning that uh, the economy is still doing rather well from a jobs perspective. Um, payrolls were up some 300,000, which was a bit ahead of expectations. Uh, the unemployment rate that people look at was about 3.6%, kind of unchanged from the prior month. Um, hours works, you know, if people look at that as kind of a leading indicator for uh, future gains was also pretty decent. And wages, which is kind of feeding into the inflation narrative, um, slowed a little bit. Um, I think they were actually kind of up about uh, three-tenths of 1% month over month. On a year-over-year basis, they're about 5%. Um, and that's pretty much um, been in line where it's been for the past couple months or so. So it's kind of, I guess, reassuring to see that it hasn't escalated beyond that. Um, but we have seen you know, the level stay somewhat high. So I guess, as I think about this, you know, again, the, the risks of a recession, they're growing. The Fed is, um, is likely to continue its tightening campaign, given this report this morning. Um, this means that an, another 75 basis point rate hike is probably baked in the cards uh, based on news this morning. You know, the Fed, as we probably should take a step back and kind of think about what they're trying to do. I mean, the Fed has two goals, basically, right? They're trying to provide things that uh, provide an economy and the conditions that the economy can, can grow. But they're also making sure that, um, you know, prices don't get out of hand. And so they've got this dual mandate, as people refer to it as. And I think what it says this morning is that uh, on the one hand, the, the mandate around growth 
is probably secondary concern. And instead, the, the Fed is now focused really on inflation. So to some extent, this, this report this morning validates the fact that growth is still pretty decent. Um, but it's almost irrelevant, I guess you could argue, Steve, in the sense that now inflation is going to probably become the more important reading. And I guess next week we'll have more to say about that, because I think some key inflation data is going to be out um, midweek next week. So the, the overall labor market seems to be doing rather well. I think that kind of dismisses some of the near-term uh, anxiety around recession. But again, we're going to probably be focused mostly on inflation uh, heading into next week. And when we get together next week, we'll be talking a lot about that for sure. So I don't know if that's a fair summation, Steve, but I think that's how I'm thinking about um, where we are right now. What do you think? I, I don't disagree with you, George. I mean, I think they're the really the 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 inflation story is the story that is dominating the narrative right now. And when you see hourly earnings continuing to remain high, yeah, they didn't go any higher than they were last month, but that's three tenths now for three months in a row. So we're seeing no sign that wage inflation is slowing. Um, and, and when you think about the Fed's view of inflation, wage inflation is a bigger driver of what the Fed has been commenting on on the inflation story that come out of the inflation. If we remember, commodity inflation is the inflation that they were talking about being transitory. Um, and you know, to to be honest, when we've seen significant pullbacks across all the commodity complexes. Um, it does look like it's transitory uh, in terms of commodity prices anyways, at least here in the near term. Uh, but, but clearly the wage inflation story is something that they're going to be paying attention to. A number of numbers caught my eye in this report. One of them was the underemployment rate. Um, so that's people who you know, or are, are viewing that their uh, employment activity is not as, as much as what they would want. And when you start to include that in, along with people who are unemployed, that rate dropped to 6.7 from 7.1%. Um, and that's something that's, again, going to catch the Fed's eye because that's more, that's just yet another sign of just how tight the labor market is. And what's kind of disconcerting is that the labor force participation rate dropped again, this time to 62.2 from 62.3, um, which, you know, it did help keep that unemployment rate stable, but I think the Fed has really been thinking that that labor force participation rate was going to go up, not down. Um, and, you know, when you look at the way the bond market's trading, we're just hanging out here around 3%. I know a lot of people have thought that the, these bond yields were going to go uh, significantly higher here. Uh, but, you know, even though maybe we've had a quote unquote technical breakout of a 40 year downtrend, sure looks to me like it could be a false breakout and that we could just be back at the top end of a trading range that we've been in for the last you know, eight to 10 years. And uh, maybe we get that mean reversion trade as the economy does slow as the Fed gets what it wants in terms of <clears throat> uh, moving, moving rates higher. And you mentioned rates going higher, 97% chance that we get a 75 basis point cut, uh, I mean, hike in, uh, in July now. Yeah, no, no, uh, no slip of the tongue there, I guess, with respect to rate cuts. But it, it is interesting to see that if you think about what, like, I guess what I'm trying to think about, Steve, is where, where, we, what are we going to be talking about 12 months from now, right? I mean, we've kind of, kind of had this, this ongoing saga of, I think, the market uh, trying to play. Really, I guess I should say it the other way. I think what we're trying to, uh, try to, I think what we're trying to understand is that the economy is kind of catching up with the market almost, where it seems as if. 
the, the, the economy has been lagging the market for quite some time since coming out of COVID. Now things are slowing down a little bit, but the market's already down some 20% or so from its highs. Um, a year from now, you know, as you think about rates actually being cut, I know you didn't mean to say that, but there are some forecasts out there that are thinking that 12 or 18, maybe 18 months from now, rather, uh, rates might actually be lowered. So we might go through this campaign, as you mentioned, it's kind of baked in the cake now for the rest of this year, or at least in the next couple of months, that rates might be moving up. I would hope that the Fed would sometimes uh, sometime just kind of take their breath and, and, and look around a little bit to see if they've done too much, because at some point, it almost suggests that you know what the markets might uh, might be getting worried about is that they might just um, overdo it. But but again, looking out farther, maybe 12, 18 months from now, I know some of the numbers suggest that that rates might be lowered at that point. Um, again, we're going to have to probably go through a bit of a, a soft patch um, to really kind of get that uh, dynamic to, to take hold. But um, you know, stocks already down 20%. I mean, they've already kind of priced in a lot of bad news. Um, We've, we've talked about earnings as something to really watch going forward, and that could provide perhaps some headwinds because earnings estimates seem like they'll be, um, be moving lower a little bit, uh, not staying high. But you know, how much do you think, Steve, is in terms of um, what we might be thinking about a year from now, how much is kind of priced into this uh, market, the stock market, as relates to good news, bad news uh, going forward from here? Well, that's a good question, George. I mean, when you, you know, you're, you're right, it was kind of that slip of the tongue, but you know, when you look at the market, the Fed funds futures market is pricing in 75 basis points of easing and at the end of 2023 already. So the, 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 the markets are anticipating that this weakness is going to eventually lead to a peaking of the hiking cycle uh, next year. And when you think about where the peak of this cycle is going to be, it's very possible that the peak of this cycle could be at a Fed funds rate that results in, in negative real yields. Um, this would be the first time ever that we've had a Fed funds tightening cycle that did not peak with positive real yields. And to me, the really difficult part for equity market investors is if we get a Fed funds futures cycle peak that is with negative real yields and then the fed starts a new cutting cycle or an easing cycle from that point i mean the market could light off like a roman candle so like with 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 high long duration growth assets being the the leadership um and I think a lot of people would be caught on a wrong foot, especially because people have, have tilted themselves so defensive here. So I know it's really hard when the market is having a, a difficult patch like this to think about the other side of the, the, the chasm, so to speak, but that's exactly what we've, we've got to try to do here. And it's what it makes, it's what makes things so difficult. So yeah, the market could have an earnings soft patch here, an earnings recession, maybe, uh, see earnings cut 15 to $20 and on the S&P 500 uh, aggregate. Um, but all things considered, because the multiple has compressed so much so far, uh, we, we may not see the market go down all that much because people are going to be gaming the other side of this chasm. And they understand that uh, if we get a, a easing cycle in an environment where we already have negative real rates, it's just going to be like throwing gasoline on a fire. So let, let's define that just you know, for some of our listeners. When you talk about negative real yields, what do we mean by that? 
it means that the, let's say that the Fed funds yield, uh, Fed funds rate goes to 3%. Um, today it's worth or three and a quarter, say three and a quarter. And from, from starting from where, Steve? So where are we right now? From from 25 basis points, so effectively zero. So let's right. say we go to three and a quarter, which is up 300 basis points from that. Um, if inflation, CPI inflation is running at three and a half percent, when that Fed funds tightening cycle peaks at three and a quarter, that is a negative real yield of 25 basis points. So if as long as uh, the, the policy rate is below the rate of CPI inflation, that is a negative real yield. And we've never seen a tightening cycle peak with negative real yields since the Fed has been using the Fed funds rate as the policy controlling rate, which is the early 1990s. It's never happened. Yeah, it, it really would be, you know, I guess, Another one of those things when we say unprecedented, I mean, we said that word how many times in the past three years, but here again, we're probably looking at another unprecedented kind of environment. Well, and this is one of these things too, where people have always said, you know, you get it and, and Warren Buffett is one of them who says it's, you never like to say it's different this time in the markets, right? But if we've never had something happen, it really is different this time. And that's why I think it's difficult to game how to position yourself as an investor in this environment, because it truly is different this time. And very sophisticated people, hedge fund investors, uh, others uh, are just as confused as the uh, average investor is. No, that's so true, Steve. And so I think what we've been trying to suggest is that um, you know, equities, I think, are still attractive for long-term investors. I mean, they really are probably the best compounder of growth for a portfolio. Notwithstanding some volatility, and uh, we've seen a, all that happen this year in spades, and I would su suggest that we're probably going to have more, not less, going forward in the sense that this this fall could be a little bit of a choppy summer, choppy fall. Again, we've got some earnings seasons um, that could be a little bit uneven that provides even more volatility, unfortunately. And again, as we kind of think about the downturn um, and maybe the downshift in growth, again, that provides perhaps more more headwinds, unfortunately, in the near term. But I still think, you know, overall, medium to long-term, stocks are really probably a great investment for long-term investors. Bonds provide some protection, and they haven't done a great job of that this year. Um, and that's one reason why we've been a little bit more, I guess, underweighted fixed income assets. Um, something we're revisiting, but right now maintaining somewhat of an underweight towards fixed income. And instead of looking for other places to provide either different return streams or diversification benefits or things that are less correlated with stocks and bonds. At the same time, we've also got probably a bit more cash in some portfolios to provide some optionality and some dry powder uh, if things really become a little bit on shaky, uh, on shaky ground. So that's, I think, maybe a kind of a way to summarize our, our views. You know, one maybe topic we could just kind of close on really quickly has to do with the news that broke overnight with respect to um, Prime Minister uh, Abi being assassinated. That's probably a, a topic that um, deserves its own podcast, Brian, but I think, as I see it, it's just a terrible tragedy. I mean, the man uh, was a remarkable leader, frankly, did so much to really help Japan modernize its economy. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. Um, you know, he brought forth a lot of shareholder-friendly reforms that um, previously didn't exist. And I think at one point, I was kind of viewing Japan as potentially a new emerging market. And um, you know, it really kind of, he kind of essentially resurrected Japan from a pretty significant funk of terms of overall economic malaise. And, and really brought that economy into much more of a stable position. Unfortunately, demographics had been weighing pretty heavily on Japan uh, that uh, maybe if not for those policies that, that Abe put forth, 
Japan might have been in a much different situation, uh, but I think he deserves a ton of recognition. And um, you know, our thoughts are with everybody in Japan, given that uh, that significant loss. So uh, with that, Brian, I'll turn it back to you. Wish everybody a good rest of the uh, the week, a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you uh, very soon. So George, thanks for those comments on Prime Minister Abe and George and Steve. Thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. Thanks to our listeners for joining us today, and be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KIPS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.